welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's a podcast where a filmmaker, a comedian, and their fabulous guests uh, follow the map through the dangerous world of the 80s movies we think we love or might have missed with these, our grown-up eyes, to see how they have holded up, held up, held or holded? I think held. I think held. Okay, great. How they have held up uh, now that we are all grown up or growed up as uh, as the term might more appropriately be. Uh, today we're watching or we're talking about Time Bandits, a movie selection from 1981. Remember my voice. I do trailers. All kinds of trailers. 73, take two. One day they'll put me in a film, a proper full-length job. Until then, I'm just stuck with this sort of stuff. Go and see this. Don't miss that. The most terrifying thing you ever saw is coming to babysit for you tonight. All right, cut it there. Look, just read what's on the script, will you? You what? The script. Other way up. Ah. <clears throat> Ready? Yes, yes. You flock to see brief encounters for the special... Close! Huh? Close Encounters. Close Encounters, the film. Oh, I never saw it. Well, forget that film. We're on about our film. Time Bandits. The what? Time Bandits, the one you are supposed to be promoting. Remember? <coughs> you flock to see Close Encounters for the special effects. You went to Superman to see a man fly. You went to Star Wars for the droids. You were... Now what? What's page two, man? It's under page one. See? Time bandits can offer you much, much more. It's not the special effects or flying men or droids which makes time bandits a unique cinematic... Cinematic! You know, pertaining to the cinema. Cinematic experience, it's the makeup. Yes, folks, you've never seen anything like it. Men made up to look like monsters. Monsters made up to look like men. Look alike men made up to look different. Different men made up to look alike. No expense has been paired, spared on the pan stick. The pan stick. No expense has been spared flying in the world's greatest makeup man. Just a minute, just a minute. What about the plot? The what? The plot. What the film is about. Well, I haven't seen it, have I? Haven't seen it? You're sitting there telling millions of people to go and see a film you haven't even seen? Well, I can't see every film I do now, can I? Oh, wonderful. Terrific. Look, give me that. What are you doing? Taking over. You're out. O-U-T. Finished. Kaput. Finito. And what about the trailer? I'll do it. Time Bandits is an awfully good film. We have worked ever so hard on it. It's a tremendous adventure story. We like it, and we're pretty sure you will. <laughs> What's wrong with it? It's direct, punchy, honest. Honest. <laughs> honest. Honest. What's that got to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> I, that trailer is basically a sketch. Yeah, it's basically yeah. You you if you like Monty Python, you'll immediately get into that trailer, but you won't have any idea what the movie's about. 
But if you like the trailer, you'll like the movie. So it works in that regard. Um, And I love the the catchphrase of the movie is, it's all the dreams you've ever had, not just the good ones, (laughs) which is (laughs) definitely true. Uh, I am comedian Chrissy Lenz of the Neighborhood Comedy Theater. Uh, With me, as always, is filmmaker Nathan Blackwell. This is where you say hello, Nathan. Hello. Hello. That was your cue. Um, And today we're super excited to have a guest who is a not just a podcaster, but a podcaster guru uh, and doer of all the other things besides the casting of the pod. Uh, And that is our friend Pete Wright of True Story FM. Hello, Pete. Hey, everybody. I'm so happy to be here on your money or your life. (laughs) <laughs> um so i've never seen this movie and it oh was my goodness so weird like, <laughs> i cannot believe that that part really confused me quite a bit um uh yeah i i've seen the characters from it and i've seen the trailer from it and i've seen like little tiny bits and pieces of it like the part where he is half of a pig and running around is like <laughs> somehow that's in Classic. my brain but no i'm none of the rest of it so uh what about you nathan have you seen this movie a bunch uh yeah i i'd say so I, i've probably seen it three or four times um this was one of those movies um that a friend of mine showed me this is when i was pretty young Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was definitely the friend who shows you the things that maybe you're about three or four years too early to to really take in, you know, like it's in terms of like trauma or nightmares or just like, you know, <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. Like this was definitely that friend, you know, who was into edgier stuff, even when he was like 10. You know, it's good to have a friend who will traumatize you. That's how yeah. you really become a well-rounded person. I think so. I, I, I've recommended to to new parents that they've got to introduce a little like strategic trauma into their their yeah. children's lives. If it comes in the form of something that's also teaching them about comedy, then I think it's OK. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what about you, Pete? Is this a favorite of yours? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw it in theaters when I was nine, and I have we. It was one of the first, you know, when VHS tapes came out. It was the one of the first we had in our family. My parents loved it. We were huge Monty Python fans, uh, you know, and had all the records. Right, I had all the the Monty Python records, and Ooh, and. Nice. Um, uh, and so, you know, we were just a big fans of this kind of humor, this kind of absurdist humor. And the fact that it was also telling a story that was treating kids with a bit of sophistication that was mm-hmm. that, that didn't have to be sanitized or cleaned up, um, it, you know, I, I think uh, made this movie a real hit for us. The, you know, I, I also think just in, in terms of <laughs> opening opening arguments. One of the reasons that this movie is so great is because it works when you're a kid because it's jolly and fun and slapstick and me and my shadow avenue avenue mm-hmm. right all of that stuff. Um, <laughs> four foot eleven. <laughs> that's a mighty long time. I but it also works, you know, on repeat viewings as you age with it, and that I, that I think is really special about this movie. There aren't many movies that do that. 
that allow you to have those kind of vaudeville acts and discussions about God and the devil and the, the nature of good and evil and, and, and those kinds of things quite so uh, openly. So uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. And consumerism and yeah, right. uh, but your parenting experience and like, yeah. yeah, it was very layered. Yeah. So, so for people who don't know, this is Terry Gilliam of uh, Monty Python. And so if you're into Monty Python, if you're into uh, the kind of Terry Gilliam stuff that he's done, like Brazil, you know, uh, the Fisher King, 12 Monkeys, this is definitely up your alley you know mm -hmm. I, I i would say that the closest two movies to this would be monty python and the holy grail and also um uh baron adventures of baron munchausen for sure yes. and and I, I would add this is this is the first movie in the sort of spiritual trilogy that that gilliam did that includes mm -hmm. this movie first and then um uh then we move on to brazil and then the adventures of baron munchausen it's called the imagination trilogy um, mm. not directly connected but uh in gilliam's words it it approaches the craziness of our awkwardly ordered society and our desire to escape it at any means possible from the perspective first of a child Kevin, and then a middle-aged man in absurd administrivia in Brazil, and then an old man trying to, you know, recapture his youth through story in Munchausen. And uh, it, it, I, he didn't realize he was making a trilogy until mm -hmm. the end of <laughs> Munchausen. Was like, oh, I told a hell of a hell of a set of stories there. Let's package them together. So um, it, 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 those three together, they actually make a really interesting and sophisticated watch. If you if you like this stuff, that's great. Oh. I will do that then, because I'm needing to be more interesting and sophisticated. So I'll just, so <laughs> that's the, have you seen right? the other two. I feel I like was I was going to tell you. I'm sorry, but yeah, I'm glad you. I have you seen Brazil and Munchausen? No. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's why I'm not interesting or sophisticated. <laughs> oh my goodness. 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 Yeah. I will though. I will watch it now because I really enjoyed watching this. Although, like, like everything, I think it's too long. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> all movies are too long is, is my constant refrain um but i love the way this movie starts we're like with the little kid and we like zoom in from the map where where we see um the the sort of weird shape of the map which is like really cool art that i love but it zooms in on his little house and his little neighborhood and his parents are all about watching game shows on furniture that is covered in plastic and so many things are covered in plastic in this movie that it <laughs> really was sort of like a creepy evil that mm -hmm. starts here. It starts here when we mm -hmm. meet his like um, very uncool parents and he just wants to tell them facts about knights and uh the greeks and all the cool like historical facts that he seems to be learning just for fun. <laughs> He doesn't you know, seem to be doing an assignment. Yeah, you know what's funny? It's when I first um, read uh, the first Harry Potter book, it's like, this is like time bandits. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just the whole idea of like the the British little kid who has a heart and he's got terrible parents and, yeah. he's, and they yell at him for reading at night, you know? Or James yeah. and the Giant Peach or like, you know. It's a long tradition. Those. 
Yeah, um, you know, it's that there's this message that that one that parent the parents are bad, but the other mm-hmm. side of that is that kids are vastly more sophisticated than anyone gives them credit for, and and I kind of prefer that glass half full uh, approach mm-hmm. to, to these kinds of movies because um, I. I, as a parent now, I don't think all parents are bad, but I do know what it feels like to misunderstand my kids. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it's that feeling of like, you know, when you're a kid, you feel like any authority is the bad guy. Yes. And and right. you love your inner world. And then when you're an adult, you long for that inner world again. And you see your life as 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 dry and, and you know, like procedural. Well, that's that's part of the fun of watching these movies when you're a grown up is being like, well, suddenly I feel kind of bad for the parents. Like, Mm -hmm. but it's Mm -hmm. it's like the threat. It's the warning of this movie and like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and other movies like it, that if you don't nurture and like let your inner child live on, then you'll become these parents. You'll become these people on the plastic couches watching the game shows. So he's having his room is like so cool and it's full of toys and it's full of posters of all the historical things that he loves. And uh, the first night that we meet him, he has like a I guess it is a dream of a horse bounding out of his wardrobe and jumping over him. So the next night he's like, that horse is going to come back. So he takes his little adventure kit and he um, he's like trying to convince his parents to let him to go to bed early. They're just as much against letting him go to bed early as they are letting him go to bed late because there's just there's a procedure and they have to follow it. And they keep saying he has to, his food has to go down. Which really is upsetting. You have, to, you have to eat your food and it has to go down. Yes. Go down? What? Yes. I'm so creeped out by that. Like, that, there's so much nightmare fuel in this. And that phrase is among among the scariest oh, yeah. things. It's like, you could, you could, it, it's sort of like, oh, I had nightmares from Time Bandits, dot, dot, dot. Like, but from what? part like you could just like play time bandit roulette and any five minutes i could see that being like a pivotal nightmare for a Mm -hmm. child you know um yeah there's so many moments that are just you know i i think that description of like you know it's the stuff of your dreams and not just the good ones yeah you know that's so descriptive so we get the the whole merry band of adorable uh little people bandits come tumbling into his room uh and all of a sudden he's he's enmeshed in chaos uh and they're very funny right so they don't know where they are they don't know why they're there um but they have somehow stumbled into his room and they gotta try and find the way out in the the thing that i think was coolest in this movie they find that if you push his wall uh, it, it slides backwards and they can find this like cool time jump thing. So he's swept up into their adventure, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that that brings us to the first of the many lines from this movie that has made its way into our household. There are several others we'll get to, but <laughs> it's never done that before. It's yes. become a staple around our house. That's great. <laughs> I love that. And it's like, well, did you have eight little people push on it before? Right, right. No. Yeah. Maybe uh, you're just not exploring your environment to its fullest (laughs) degree. Right. right. (laughs) 
Um, and then bada boop, they're in Napoleon times. And you get a sense that like he's going to be useful to them because he can recognize all these historical personages of historical significance yeah. <laughs> as if he's doing his history report. Um, and he's like, this is this and that is that. And we're in Napoleon times and that's Napoleon. And the, the plan as it starts out is they're going to rob people throughout history and then escape into a different time and rob those people. And I think we have to assume at some point they're going to stop at like a pawn shop. Where does the profit come in? Well, I remember their whole motivation is because working for God is boring, right? right. Yeah, the, the, the thing whole thing. we don't realize until later is that we see when they when when, when the little kid sees them rob, um, uh, that that's their first robbery, yeah. right? And that they just got this plan that they do work for God and that they were in the tree. They were they made trees, trees is and, that shrubberies? Right? and shrubberies. <laughs> Monty Python is like a healthy obsession with shrubberies. Oh yeah, which yeah. I love. Foundational humor is shrubberies. The shrubbery. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and I would say like part of part of the introduction of this movie, you, you know, we move through the entire film in vignettes. Mm-hmm. And these vignettes are broken up by this time door that opens up and they all fall through it. Right. This portal, mm-hmm. black portal. I love this story. Michael Palin is is actually the the stronger pen behind this thing. And he tells this story. He says one day Terry Gilliam comes over. He says, I have this awesome script. It's this great idea. And I can't wait to collaborate on it with you. And he hands him this stack of paper and Palin opens it up and it's just blank pages, just page <laughs> after page of blank pages. And so they started working on it together. And, and he, he goes on and he says, you know, I it reminded me very much of working on Python scripts because uh, as we would work, I would get this it, Gilliam would, said, you know, I would get this call from Palin saying, Saying, I've written myself into a corner. Can you gin up some animation to give us a transition to the next sketch? Because I'm just out of ideas. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I need some absurdist uh, like art to take us to the next thing. So that's why you have a, a gi- the giant foot of God stomping on the main characters or a big mm-hmm. sandwich falling out of the sky. Like one of those things. Well, that is exactly how they approached this movie was we've got this vignette and we're out of steam on this particular sequence. And so... Thank God we have this time portal to take yeah. us to the next scene. Mm-hmm. And and it, in this, it works so effortlessly, so mm-hmm. seamlessly. It doesn't strike me as anything is has, was a struggle to write at all. It's just, uh, it's just great. And you really get a the balancing of all the different kinds of comedy from vignette to vignette. Because when we're with Ian Holm as Napoleon, he is playing it so like dramatically. Yeah. And we're just seeing this dramatic portrait of an absurd man. Uh, then when we go to the Robin Hood uh, piece, <laughs> we get John Cleese being the most casual. The driest. Um, <laughs> so dry. He's just like, hello. Yes. Hello. The poor. Here's the poor. Mm-hmm. He'll be Here's- considerably less poor. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, so you want to call that like I, I have carried around like this deflation of heroes for this movie, right? That mm-hmm. that these people are just people and we misunderstand what they were really like because over history they've been inflated. Not that Napoleon was necessarily a hero, but that Napoleon was that home played him so straight, but his drunk 
is so good, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> what, what was it? Like, Attila the Hun, four foot 11, three quarters, right? I mean, it was just <laughs> like so good uh, watching him and deal with his own ego mm-hmm. while drunk. But in the context of all of these little people sitting around him was was perfect, perfect humor. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, there's so many different ways to play comedy perfectly and just being way too serious is in an absurd situation is one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, the more absurd your scenario, the more dramatic and real you have to ground yourself. Um, and he nailed that. And then you go to John Cleese, who's just like, oh, they're awful people. <laughs> thank you. Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, and my one beef with this movie. I'm sorry, Nathan. I You need to say something. Oh no problem. It, it's yeah. In some ways, like the movie reminds me of the circus act that they come in. Like mm-hmm. you know, when they come into the Napoleon age, they're watching a puppet show, and then the the puppeteer is shot and killed, um, and then they bring on other acts, and that's kind of what this movie is. You know, it's kind of we're kind of going from sketch or act mm-hmm. from one to the next. You know, and and luckily they're all good, but I could totally see this being feeling too sketchy, you -hmm. know, Uh, Mm -hmm. because in a lot of these, the focus is not our our bandits. It's the people that they meet, you know? Yeah. Um, Which speaking of the people that they meet, I have one like big beef with this movie is that the couple that uh the Shelley Duvall, <laughs> Vincent and Pansy <laughs> Vincent and Pansy we needed to see them a third time you give us a setup mm-hmm. and a setup we needed a third time right. to be with that couple cuz i love them and he's like and then we have the comedy of mystery cuz he keeps talking about his personal problem <laughs> he and needs fruit he needs fruit so it's like what are Do you, you talking still need about the special no 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 don't <laughs> no, 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 i no. don't need the uh, special and then when they're all tied up, he's like, it's happening again. And you're just like, what are you talking about? What is this problem? Um, and then uh, several vignettes later, we meet them on the Titanic again. Uh, and they're they're quite hilarious. And mm-hmm. Shelley Duvall is uh, so innocent and vulnerable, um, which is another perfect way to do comedy. In the meantime... We learn more about the Supreme Being and that they got in trouble. Our bandits got in trouble for creating a giant red tree that smells really bad, which I love. <laughs> um, obviously, God can't have that. So they got fired. Um, we have the Robin Hood um, vignette that has lots of comedy. Uh, and then we meet the evil guy who is gross and it like he really grossed me out like his helmet with he looked like almost like a xenomorph yeah it's got like sure Mm -hmm. exo skulls and it's like gooey and he has like very long fingernails and he was like icky and all of his henchmen are also covered in plastic and like with tubes that come out of them and go back into them and weird horns. And it reminded me of Dune. Yeah. Though in Dune, um, the authoritarian dictator of a leader doesn't just explode you for saying things that he doesn't like. And maybe that's why they're covered in plastic because they don't want to be covered in a fellow minion's viscera when they explode. Like, I feel like that's, that might be part of it. They're just up to 
disgusting things. Mm-hmm. And this is an image of this evil genius that of evil, the devil. Um, uh, David Warner's portrayal of this is uh, like uh, you might say prescient. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So casual. It's right? like a casual yeah. and and again dry. Yeah. That I this this type of humor is just a total sweet spot for me. Yeah. You know, of of them of him just being this very of not only just casually killing them, but also like all the minions, their name are like Robert and Benson. Yeah. And they look <laughs> like these horrible mutants. And they're so happy. Like when he's like, I'm going to turn you into a dog for a little bit. They're like, oh, my God. Thank you. Oh, thank, you Master. thank you. Well, and all of the all of the, the you know, the, the actual time bandits are fidget and strutter and og and vermin. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the name, con- uh, you know. Contrary names, I think, is really also funny. Yeah. Robert. And he wants to understand technology. Like, that's his thing is like, he's going to learn about computers. And once he learns about computers and technology, then he'll be able to take over the world. Which Yeah, but but he does it in very much of a like, your dad who doesn't know how to use his phone, show me how to use my phone kind yeah. of way. Once you know, I it's... have mastered this phone, I will yeah. master the universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think if my mom could master her phone, we'd all be in trouble, but she can't. So we're fine. Um, and it so, but it ties it back to his parents in those ways of like the plastic that's wrapped around the minions that's wrapped mm-hmm. around the couches, the quest for technology. Consumerism and... being the new evil. Exactly. Um, which is so creepy to like have this cute, sweet little open faced child who is our, um, you know, our proxy in this story be like, Oh, you came from a someplace where you were like steeped in this, subtle evil that we're afraid of that we see like in its grossest form over here you were in the like domestic form of it over here so you like you were not safe and now you're less safe but getting you back home is not going to solve any of your problems (laughs) right it's not a there's no place like home situation Right. And and all of that comes to a head at the big final, you know, battle. Everybody's mm-hmm. fighting each other. No one is a good guy. And whether it's consumer consumerism and technology or religion or whatever the the opposites are, they all lead to uh, damage, right? Yeah. And destruction and loss of life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. pain. And, you know, just because you've made evil a horrible xenomorph creature and god an administrator right in a suit um doesn't make it okay like that that feels like the worldview of the movie is really testing mm-hmm. the the ideal or the, the ideology that that this bifurcation of wills is good because yeah. it doesn't seem to be as it's portrayed so yeah yeah you don't get a sense that God is but the supreme being is there to protect and father you. Yeah. You feel like he's kind of on your side, but at the same time, like he could just leave you behind and would never think of you again. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. The credited as supreme being versus evil genius, right? Like that there's mm-hmm. a point to those credits because the supreme being is not really supreme and the evil genius is not really a genius. Mm-hmm. They're just 
a being and evil. And yeah. and I think that's uh, I I really like the the nuance of of mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it's very much a dark fairy tale. Yeah, for sure. It, I think the darkest part of the whole thing is in the Sean Connery vignette, uh, where Kevin meets King Ag- Agamemnon. He jumps by himself through a time hole and ends up by himself uh, with it is like a very long, like the battle between King Agamemnon, who we don't know who he is yet, and the bull-headed creature is so long and like they're really bashing into each other and Mm -hmm. it's like kind of disturbing um and then it's like oh it was sean connery in there good thing Mm -hmm. good thing we were rooting for him this whole time and he's he immediately is like uh i love you child i will protect you you're my son and heir i'm king agamemnon everything's cool let's have a party and <laughs> and we're like and Kevin's like this is going to be great. I'm going to hang out with this guy. He's from history. I love history. We're going to mm-hmm. hang out and eat fruit that came out of half of a bull. <laughs> Nothing could be better than this and he gets essentially kidnapped by the bandits. Right, the temptation of a father figure, you yeah. know. Yeah. Well, a, a father figure and like a spirit guide, right? And mm-hmm. and there, that's there's there's sort of a who knows magic tricks. Yeah, who knows magic tricks, right? I love the the, the cup game. Uh, he the fact that you know, and this is I, I guess talking about the movie as a whole. When everything that we see through history is is represented in Kevin's room in the beginning, mm-hmm. except for King Agamemnon, right? He's the one figure that isn't represented there or in the final fight, right? The big fight. And Mm -hmm. that is practically because Sean Connery ran out of time on the movie (laughs) and he was, he had to leave, but he called, he called back Gilliam and he said, what if, what if I come back as the firefighter uh, at the end? Like that Mm -hmm. was not, that was not a scripted thing. In fact, it was Sean Connery who was supposed to do Fidget's part in the in the final fight, leading the the archers into the final fight. That was supposed to be him, but he ran out of time on the film. So he comes back as the firefighter. And I think that's important because it's set up in this bull scene that this guy is rightfully Kevin's, you know, his you know, father figure, his guide, his his mentor and mo- role model. And then we don't get him again, and it's just grief and loss. Mm-hmm. But by the end, his parents touch pure evil and die, and he's got the firefighter. Like uh-huh. that is, I think that's it's, such a wonderful callback. It, it's just a touch of hope in a yeah super dark ending. Right, so dark. It's awful. Yeah. yeah, when when I think of the movie and my experience of watching it as a child, that is the moment I think of. Yeah, is mm-hmm. the ending. And just how dark that is. And that's the moment that I continue to think about when I think about just just this dark ending, you know? Yeah. Yeah, sure. where you're like, okay, so his house is burned down. So he is homeless. He's a homeless orphan now. He really is Harry Potter. Like, he's yeah, a homeless right. orphan now. Right. But he's um, going to end up with, you know, someone uh, might better than the Dursleys. He, or unless he has an Aunt Marge who's going to, like, show up and be right. even worse uh-huh. in his continuing adventures. Um, but he really hate. He is, like, so mad at the bandits and Randall when they're on the Titanic. He's like, you suck. I don't want to hang out with you. 
you just want money. Leave me alone. I'm going to pout over the side of the Titanic. Mm-hmm. He's so yeah. mad at them. <laughs> and I was mad at them, too. I was like, why couldn't you just leave him there? Like, you just you stole him earlier this afternoon. He's not like yeah. a permanent part of your gang. So after the Titanic, or was it at some point, the Supreme Evil finds out they have the map and uses brain control to try and lure them into the time of legend to find the most fabulous object in the world. Right? Was that yeah. before this or is it after this? After the Titanic. Okay. So after the Titanic is is that, and then they, they end up with an ogre and his wife. Also really funny because the ogre is giant and ridiculous and his wife is just like a cute, um, mm-hmm. sweet lady who's very, very dedicated oh. to making sure that he gets his uh, bad back attended oh, to. Talk about a supremely uh, talented comedian, Catherine Hellman. I mean, she's just extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I grew up with her in soap. Um, she's but so she's, funny. Uh, she's so funny. So funny. Um, it, it then and then it gets weird. So the boat that they're on. <laughs> now it gets weird. Oh, then, then it gets weird. Uh-huh. The boat that they're on is a hat. Yeah, so th- this is now they're ex- now they're in the 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 time of legends as their excuse to just kind of throw off any constraint of reality. Uh-huh. So yeah, basically the 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 ship that they're on is a hat that a giant is wearing, and they stab him in the brain with convenient sleeping potion after like hitting him on the head with hammers, which I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> stop it um they stab him in the brain with sleeping potion um i thought that part where he's walking around the giant is walking around and they're on his head like went on a little too long i had a feeling when you said the movie was too Mm -hmm. long that's the part yeah that's Mm -hmm. the part they could have trimmed yeah Uh, of course that's i get it that's what gets us into the into the chains but um Mm -hmm. But but I I get it. It's long and it's it it like it slows down. Like it mm-hmm. slows down because of the way the giant is shot slowly, mm-hmm. and it everything feels sluggish because yeah. of the way we're watching him move. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I think that is yeah. It, and I would say also like a lot of like when they eventually do go into the fortress of evil, and it's a lot of the. Um, the bandits arguing with each other and fighting with each other yeah. and 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 being petty and bickering. It, you know, it, we this is like really the moment where we don't actually spend that much time getting to know them very well. You know, right. in terms of like what is the difference between them? Like, I I don't think the movie cares really about them having much of an arc. Or even like like the little boy, you know, uh, doesn't have much of an arc beyond of being a child and kind of having that childhood, you know, transformed. Mm-hmm. I guess you know. Yeah. Um. But this is much more a story that's interested in just the ideas of of good versus evil and how we perceive them in in a dark fairy tale. Like we don't really again, spend too much time getting to know or caring what these guys want. They're kind of tricksters in our story. 
Mm-hmm. And and I think by extension, uh, Nathan, they are treated as one character, right? They're yeah, the time the band mob. Is, yeah, the mob. And and I think that's important to know. Like having an expectation. If you go into this movie having an expectation that you're going to get to know the the wants and and dreams and hopes and and uh, uh, desires of all these individual characters, that's not what you're going to get because they have their identity as a, as a countable as, noun yeah. uh, as an individual. And I, I, that's for me, that works because, yeah. you know, it's a funny group enough in itself. You know, it has, mm-hmm. it has motive even as it's split up in a bunch of people on st- on screen. Plus it would yeah. have just been longer if we had to have a special moment with all yeah. of them. <laughs> it would have just been longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do, we, I love, I love my favorite part of the whole thing though, was when they're in this endless desert full of like pebbles and bones and they break through the window to get to the for- fortress of ultimate darkness. Is that what it's called? The fortress of, let's just no, say it's I the fortress it, of I, ultimate I think darkness. it is. I think it's a fortress of ultimate, but now we've said it so many times. I can't mm-hmm. remember. That's, I can't I've seen this movie a hundred times. Yeah. Uh, they break the glass and we see like the, sh- the shards of the world that they're in. And then the scary, scary, scary world beyond them. Oh, I love that. That just image was so yeah. cool. Um, and then we're in uh, to they're captured. They're in a scary cage. They they use teamwork in a fabulous way to swing their way uh, into the labyrinth. We get the scary game show trickery moment of uh, Jim Broadbent and the parents. So good. So good, but so creepy and like <laughs> a weird callback from out of nowhere. And a weird bit of psychological uh, messing with him. And then the battle's on. He's like, we found a time hole. Go get everyone from any time. And we're going to fight this dude. Then it gets really absurd. There's cowboys. He turns into a merry-go-round with a knife. He gets shot with a bunch of arrows. He turns into a giant tomato. the giant Dementor <laughs> bullhead people that shoot missiles oh, out of yeah. their eye sockets. Uh-huh. Oh, they were the scariest Classic. part. And, and when he just dismisses his minions in a negotiation, like, I'm going to burn the map, he just, he doesn't dismiss them or tell them to back off. He destroys them. Yeah. Yeah. He blows them up. <laughs> yeah. He could and be like, take horrified. two steps back. <laughs> yes. Because it's, because it's like, oh, this is very real. Like, oh God, my mm-hmm. friend is half a pig. Yeah, I'm gonna burn this map. This guy's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and they're all, and they all say thank you. He's like, oh, it's your turn, Kevin or Calvin or what, Bruce or whatever that guy's name. And he's like, Benson. thank you. <laughs> Poof. Uh huh. And in in a lot of like action or adventure films, like you don't feel the consequences of the ending. Like you know that the Rock and Emily Blunt are gonna get the thing that transforms the thing and then the bad guys get melted, you know? Yeah. Like, but in this, like, it's terrifying how nonchalant evil is mm-hmm. and how it easy it is for him to just blow people up. And how he just plays along with all these it's like I was thinking, it's like, well of course these items of war and destruction don't do anything to him because they are in essence part of him you know they are Mm -hmm. evil creations right right um but it it is so creepy and then god like god just turns him into stone like i kept having to rewind it 
Because yeah, you just turned into stone in one moment, I was like, "No, no, no! I've missed something." So I'd go yeah, back because it's like an it's yeah. an if it's an off-screen thing that is basically just a sound effect. Zap. Yeah. And it turns out God was like, "All right, this cool, has gone thanks. too far." So the things that turn to stone are an off-screen thing, but he does. But evil does blow up a dog. He yes. does. Yeah. He so blows he up it. a dog. Right. He That's like. You talk about, you know, why, um, you know, that this movie, nothing is safe in this movie. Like, it's unsettling because as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, if you can kill a dog, then uh, uh, nothing is is sacred. Nothing is safe. Yeah. Um, and then even with God's like, oh, yep, pip, pip, that was my map. I lent it to you. Now I need it back. Clean up yeah. this evil. We're leaving the kid. You can have your old jobs back, but you're in, like weeds something smaller than shrubbery now mm-hmm. undergrowth um, <laughs> undergrowth and uh you know then we we talked about the end where he's like his parent he's like don't touch it it's evil and they're both like touch kablooey um it is very scary that his house was on fire that was like a bit of real world danger mm-hmm. um but wow what a wow what a movie um <laughs> Uh, I definitely recommend it. Like, if you haven't seen it, people need to see this movie. If I had seen it when I was a teen, I would have been obsessed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's, you know, being a filmmaker and watching any of Terry Gilliam films fill, fill me with panic at just, like, how much work <laughs> every single scene probably took, mm-hmm. you know? Um, just in terms of like the art department and the battles he probably had to go through to get everything exactly how we wanted, you mm-hmm. know, um, it reminds it's it reminds me of what they, you know, um, they talked about um, everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you've got minimalism and then you've got maximalism. And then all of Terry Gilliam's films are, are maximalism, where there's yeah. just so much in every frame. Um, so much. So how so? How do you rate a movie like this on a on a scale of one Sean Connery to ten Sean Connerys? How many Sean Connery being the best and most exciting thing there is? <laughs> um, how many Sean Connerys do you give it? Yeah, it's so hard because there's so many fantastic moments and so many like dark. It's sort of like there are moments where it's just like taking a hammer to your fingers in terms of just like dark, disturbing imagery. Yeah. <laughs> it's like how pleasing is the overall experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm of a point where I, I, <laughs> I want to start taking Sean Connery's from other films. To mm-hmm. give it to this movie, I love this movie, and I, you know, we rate uh, all of our movies over on the next reel on Letterboxd, and that's a five star, and you can give it a heart mm-hmm. to indicate whether something is a guilty pleasure or if you really, really love it, and and it's a five star and a heart movie for me. Like I, mm-hmm. I adore this movie. I, I love the just the craft of it. Uh, the performances are exceptional. So yeah, it's a it's a ten, uh, ten for me. Just just the the feat of making this movie real and i throw it some bonus weight because you know the the folks who play the bandits um david rapaport uh actually very sadly took his own life when he was 38 he shot himself in the chest he was just depressed and sad and had a rough time and didn't get the help that he needed kenny baker uh is 
you know, <laughs> if you don't know Kenny Baker and you're a Star Wars fan, look up R2-D2. Yeah. Um, he <laughs> passed away in 2016. Very, very sad. Malcolm yeah. Dixon um, it died in 2020 uh, recently. Mike Edmonds uh, is Mike Edmonds is still around. Um, he was uh, vermin, I think. Uh, Jack Purvis uh, died in, in 97. Like they're they're not around anymore. But what they were what they were tasked with doing and doing in a way that was both funny, like lampoon vaudeville comedic, mm -hmm. but also with such heart. So much. I heart. think it elevated it beyond just oh, let's cast a little person because he's funny because of like what they look like. These these were funny performances from these people and. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they were respectful, like comedic performances, um, you know, not like you could you could put many of these lines in people of any stature and they would still be funny because they're smart characters. Um, and so I, I like it. I like it a lot. Perfect. Ten. Then what about you, Nathan? Um, so I think. Yeah. So I this definitely has a a place in my heart for sure. Um, my my feeling is that it's probably like an eight okay. to me, mm -hmm. um, which is still very high, but it's definitely something that I I probably won't watch regularly. I'll kind of wait every like four or so years to rewatch so you get the freshness of mm -hmm. of some of the jokes again, you mm -hmm. know. Um, but it's it's definitely a a great time if you're into that Monty Python, Terry Gilliam style humor. Yeah. I I think I'm going to go like just a little skosh higher than you and give it 8.5 um, Sean Connery's because I feel like I'll rate it higher once I watch it again. Mm -hmm. Now that you kind of know what the tone is. You know? Yeah. Now that I know kind of what to expect, I will Because it watch can it be again. disturbing. Yeah, it can oh, be. Oh, it was, oh. <laughs> I was like, what are those things? That's why I blocked them from my memory. Those like goat head black wearing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the missile uh, missile eyes. Yeah. I um I deleted them. I mean, him shooting the bullets out of his fingers. I, <laughs> I deleted it. And, it just says <laughs> fingernails in general. Oh, no. <laughs> so gross. Yeah. Um. Uh, so excellent. So what about a deep cut recommendation? Uh, it, like uh, there are so many recommendations that seem like they're right at the tip uh, of the tongue mm -hmm. uh, when you're talking about time bandits. Uh, do you have a particularly deep, deep cut recommendation, Pete, as the uh, resident well expert on this movie? It's I, I, I will tell you, I mentioned that, you know, when I started that we were big fans of the the Python, all the other Python stuff, and particularly mm -hmm. the albums, right? And now for something completely different, like those sorts of things. So I immediately went to one of my all-time favorite audio productions, uh, and it is available in Spotify and Apple Music, and it is the album is called How Can You Be in Two Places at Once When You're Not Anywhere at All by the comedy group <laughs> The Firesign Theater. And that includes such tracks as the Ralph Spoilsport Mantrum, or Zeno's Evil, or the Land of the Pharaohs. But the the one that you need to listen to is a twenty eight minute show, audio old timey audio show, called "The Further Adventures of Nick Danger: Third Eye." It is one of the legendarily brilliant tracks of of performance audio. I love it, love it, love it. I I found it. 
accidentally when Napster hit, I was in college and I accidentally downloaded this track off some rando's computer and listened to it and memorized it. I I could do the thing from start, introduced it to my kids. They memorized it like it is for us that funny. And um, and so I highly recommend it. The Further Adventures of Nick Danger from the Firesign Theater. How can you be in two places at once when you're not anywhere at all? Wow, Brilliant. that is excellent and a deep, deep cut. Well, as deep done. as you can get. <laughs> uh, what about for you, Nathan? Well, I can't beat that in terms no, of deepness. I don't think so. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So my recommendation would be the documentary Lost in La Mancha. Oh yeah. So that's that's Terry Gilliam trying to ma- uh, make um unsuccessfully the man who killed Don Quixote the first time around. So he eventually ended up making the movie. It was his own kind of like, you know, Don Quixote <laughs> quest of uh, uh it, but this is documenting the failed attempt with with Johnny Depp as the lead and eventually it became Adam Driver many many years later of of him just trying to get this movie made so if you if you <laughs> if you want to feel the panic and the difficulty of what happens to make these a Terry Gilliam style movie then this is like the perfect window to experience that it's so sad as as yeah. a filmmaker it's so oh, yeah. sad oh it's, my god it's so rough yeah ooh ooh are there um I, I like the idea that Johnny Depp eventually becomes Adam Driver, just like <laughs> as a concept. Um, right, as a Doctor Who kind of like, yeah. you know, transformation. Like, we'll be okay because we have Adam Driver. Like, we don't need to miss Johnny Depp. We, mm-hmm. We've got Adam Driver. Yeah. Um. So mine is the least deep cut of all of the recommendations, but I couldn't stop thinking about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory while I was speaking of Johnny Depp, (laughs) not his version, the other version. I couldn't stop thinking about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory of just the little like sweet faced boy being like, but God, why does there have to be evil? (laughs) And like all of the (laughs) British people doing very dry humor uh, all around him. So that's my very not deep cut. Mm-hmm. Well, they have similar kind of like you know heroes where it's the child does not necessarily transform he but he maintains his heart yeah you know yeah yeah um so we'll do our little wrap up and then i do have a very short game for you guys as bonus content can i mention one more thing as a Please. cut as a, a recommendation which i don't know it's more of a keep your eye out recommendation okay. i didn't know this until this morning and i regret we i didn't say it earlier they're making a series out of this apparently, <gasps> and it's already been cast yes! and get a load of this charlene yi and lisa kudrow are in it apparently huh. um i don't know how many episodes they're in but they've cast kevin already they've got a, a bunch of different folks i think uh, uh soltiris Zelo- zelios is in it he was in uh i, b- I believe um Oh, I'm I'm mistaking. I thought he was in The Hobbit. I thought he was one of the dwarves in The Hobbit. But um, but I don't see any little people cast in this um, in in this adaptation of it. It is still listed as in production. Who knows? But there are three episodes on IMDb and a cast list, which is usually a sign that it's going to be really <laughs> sad when it's canceled, or <laughs> you know, uh, uh-huh. or it's coming. So it's something to keep your wow. eyes out for. 
I could not open my mouth any wider in in, in gaspitude uh, of that. Isn't that funny? That would be great. Would we and we used to always say like, oh, should we remake this? And most of the time, the answer was only if you could do it in a limited series. But so this yeah. would be great mm-hmm. as a series. Yeah, I, I would think love so it, too. especially just the style of how it was made, like the mm-hmm. vignette to vignette to vignette. Right? It would mm-hmm. it would work. Yeah, and like they did so many cool things with the Sandman and like the Wednesday yeah. series that like I I would really have big hopes that it could be like creepy and dark, but also for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's excellent. Uh, Pete, where can people uh listen to you? Tell them about other things and other movies and <laughs> uh and whereabouts. And where can people hear you talk about the Twilight? Uh, franchise. <laughs> oh dear. Well, I I talk about a lot of things over at TrueStory.fm, and uh, the show you're talking about is the Next Reel, and that was our uh, first movie podcast that we started back in 2011. And so we're, um, yeah, I don't know how many movies we've got in there now, 600 something like that. And wow. uh, we did just talk about Twilight, and thankfully we're now going into talking about the Thin Man series, uh, which is delightful. I'm so glad to be in the Thin Man. <laughs> so glad. Uh, but I loved every Twilight episode so, so much. Um, uh, so I'm not, I'm not excited wolves. that you're all the way done. <laughs> we, could do, so we could do Twilight all day long for yeah. you, right? All right. Um, excellent. And uh, Nathan, where can people find your films to watch? Um, squishystudios.com is probably the easiest way, but we're, we're definitely on, on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, don't tweet this much, uh, that much. Um, but uh, I yeah, I don't think you're allowed to tweet anymore. Isn't that, hasn't that been taken away from us? <laughs> I haven't been blocked yet. So okay. isn't that so what you knows? feel like, like watching this movie, David Warner is like, and you've been banned from Twitter and you've been banned from Twitter and you've been banned. <laughs> Robert, it's, it's your time. Mine. You've been banned from Twitter. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it really is. That's why it's so relevant in our current day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you no. can find me at the Neighborhood Comedy Theater, the actual place in downtown Mesa, Arizona, or on the um, Instagrams at Most Excellent Chrissy. Uh, you can find the podcast to say hi to us or whatever at Most Excellent Pod on Instagram and Facebook. Um, hey, you know, if you're having fun with this, we're having fun with you why not like rate review thumbs up star whatever the thing that you're doing this on has as a means of saying what's up please do that we would love it um and you can also become a member at the truestory.fm and you get all sorts of extra fun stuff i will send you actual mail in the mail with fun treats so who doesn't want that may or may not include pure evil it may or may not you have to open it to see uh it may or may not be delivered by sean connery no no, never uh and while you're out there in the world uh please keep the most excellent 80s movies podcast motto in mind be excellent to each other and party Party on on, dudes. dudes